0: welcome to the x29 podcast i'm your host jeff metters the x29 emerging regions network serves in places where christians are few churches are under resourced and persecution is severe Especially in places like India, which is one of the most unreached regions of the world. Yet in spite of complications from a global pandemic, unrest, and opposition, Jesus is growing his church in India. Jeff Neville joins me on the podcast today to discuss the growing church in India. Jeff serves as the India catalyst for X 29's emerging regions, and Jeff is also a planter and a pastor for almost fifteen years, and he's an elder at Heartland Church in St. Louis, Missouri. Jeff, welcome to the X twenty nine podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great to have a Jeff and Jeff. That's right, that's right. On the show. That (laughs) that has not happened yet. Hey, I'm I'm glad we can make it happen today. Well, Jeff, tell us about yourself, your role in X29. And supposedly, I hear, I've heard that a lot of people call you dad. So let's explain that. Um, let's let's get into it while while we can.
1: Yeah. Well, that is true. So um, uh, my wife and I have been married. It'll be oh goodness twenty years this uh, October, and uh, we do have a bunch of children. So we have uh, we have nine kids, um, wow. and uh, yeah, and and they are all uh, biological. There's no duplicates in there, so no twins. <laughs> and and man, we had them in like a twelve year span. So we we range oh, wow. uh, from age uh Six next week, uh, my littlest turned six. Uh, to I have a freshly minted 18-year-old. I have wow. officially uh, graduated uh, some, a, a human being to adulthood. So, uh, yeah, there aren't many dull moments in the Neville household. So, uh, <laughs> But, you know, I'm a, I'm a church planter at heart, so uh, core team development is always a big deal. And we, we do that from the inside out, too. So, uh, yeah, lots of kiddos. Um, and, uh, yeah, you said my role with Acts 29 is uh, to serve as a catalyst over India for emerging regions, which... Um, it's pretty simple, uh, just working to further church planting in India uh, that entails a bunch of different stuff, developing uh, I work to develop relationships with existing churches in India, uh, really to see their churches um, uh, have developed a healthy vision for Multiplication and sending out okay. church planters throughout India, and uh, and so uh, there's obviously a lot of work to be done in a context with 1.3 billion people. Uh, wow. There's a whole mess of Indians, uh, and uh, and it's the it's the largest uh, concentration of unreached people groups in the entire world. And when you look mm-hmm. at maps of uh, you know of unreached people groups um, and underreached people groups, India is bright orange and red. There is just a ton of need there and so so that allows me to go in and, and create these relationships and also do um, some of what we're doing today and talking about uh, the work happening there is is I, I get to connect churches globally which is uh, which is um, uh, a real privilege and a joy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you replanted Heartland Church yes. um, and, you know, sometimes in next one, we don't hear a lot about replanting and, and revitalizing, but it, it is a, a crucial mm. uh, aspect of church ministry as well. So why don't you, if you could briefly just walk us through that process and maybe just share a story of how God's using your church uh, yeah. for his glory.
1: Yeah. So replanting is a new, uh, kind of a new thing for me. Um, I, uh, as you said, I've been a pastor for, for years, it's been about 20 years now that I've been in vocational ministry. And um, uh, I've been a planter. So I planted a church here in St. Louis back in 2007. uh, And then I pastored that church for about 10 years before handing it off to my a team of elders and then we actually moved to India so imagine a family of 11 moving Man, to Mumbai yeah. India the densest city on earth uh and uh, lived there for about 18 months specifically to to create a church planter cohort and run that there and then came back um to uh to replant Heartland Church and then start this role with X29 as the catalyst and um yes yeah, so so replanting has has turned out to be a much different animal for sure um, you know i mean planting uh y- you know you're, you're you're doing good cultural exegesis you're you're uh studying culture uh you're gathering together a core team you're uh you're casting vision for what this this new work is going to look like in an area and then you're basically you know casting that vision to take the hill and and moving that that core planting team uh Sort of up the hill Uh, replanting is nuanced in that um, you've got like four. I I had anyway about 40 adults who were coming down that hill um, wounded and tired Mm. uh, and out of gas. And so really it's it's nuanced in that um, I'm having to uh, care well pastorally for that group of people, see refreshing and healing come, uh, into their lives while training them on what it looks like to, to be a missionary in a context, what it looks like to, to, to apply the gospel to their hearts and then be, be an, uh, an agent of gospel renewal in the lives of people in their community. Like these are rhythms that most people in a dying church don't understand. So we're, we're simultaneously doing that training while, um, then trying to take the, because core team development's going on at the same time, right? I'm 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 yeah. also gathering a group of people who think more apostolically and uh, fr- from a church planting perspective and then it's really marrying those two groups of people together with unity and cohesion and then rallying sort of rallying the troops back up the hill. So we're we're almost 2 years into the process. Okay, and uh, fourteen months of those have been consumed by a global pandemic, and and it, it oh really is uh, just a testimony of the fact that God's the one who builds His church, and that His mission is gloriously unstoppable. Because uh, we've we've um, ne- nearly tripled in size in uh, less than two wow. years, and God's just been Im- immeasurably kind to us in that. And so I could go on and on. We could fill many podcasts with stories of how God's using heartland in this replant for his glory i would say that um probably the thing that i'm excited about the most honestly is um seeing that missional engine restarted in a context where that was dormant or dead um we we have a we have a a a mom uh, and and wife who, who who's attended heartland for a, a long time with her kids and her husband's not a believer and um you know i mean we we have many of those stories obviously in our churches and um, and uh, when we got here uh, just the privilege it was to be able to create a relationship with her husband and our family begin to do life deeply with that family and uh, we have seen the gospel begin to invade and take up space mm. in this man's heart and um, and and just done a lot of heavy lifting, you know, thinking missionally about just how to engage him where he is. And, uh, man, uh, the Lord brought him from death to life on Easter Sunday, uh, just ah. a few weeks ago. We're, we're baptizing him this Sunday and it's oh, amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Immediately you just see this explosion in his heart for uh, a desire to be developed and discipled. So I'm starting a discipleship group with this guy, uh, going through the gospel centered life curriculum, which I found to be super helpful, yeah. uh, but with he and a bunch of his non-Christian. Christian friends who are, uh, this guy's a bit oh, of an wow. influencer. And so, uh, you know, it's just fun to see. We, we have many stories of that happen as we've been able to baptize a number of people in the, over the last couple of years. And, and the, the, the you know, the church hasn't baptized people here in a long time. And uh, just wow. to see, and, and you're absolutely right. This conversation about replanting and revitalization is critical right now, especially in our context, as God sort of rips down cultural Christianity here. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and you know, uh, the question is, what, are, what what's going to take the place of these churches that are dying or have died? And uh, so l- loving the work that God's doing here, it's really, really cool to see him work, um, and especially in that area of missional traction. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that brother. Cause it's such a, you know, oftentimes when we think of guys, when we think of church planting, they think of, you know, okay, the service, there's a lot of, a lot of emphasis on that and organization of systems and all, all those things matter. Hmm. But the critical, like non-negotiable actual work that needs to get done is that mm. the making of disciples, the evangelizing, the loving our neighbors, the spreading of the gospel, the the baptism of believers, like that's that's what we're about yeah. uh, at Acts 29. I know that's what you're about. And and this is what we want to see at the church in that's India. Right. And, and so you have a passion for the growing church in India. So really tell us about the, the ministry of church planning in that region and really how you became involved with church planters in Mumbai. Um, because from what I can tell, uh, you seem to have a USA accent. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you seem to be a native, uh, um, yeah, United States of America citizen. So how did you get involved uh,
1: with India? Yeah. So I first visited India about eight years ago. Um, the, the church that I just referenced having planted here in St. Louis, um, Back in 2007, uh, we we uh, basically just went on a a, a vision trip to uh, to India to see the work that was happening there. This was about eight years ago, and and began working in a, a central state in India uh, uh, called Madhya Pradesh. Um, and uh, ironically, so this one state in India is equal in population about to the entire United States. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, the numbers are pretty, uh, pretty incredible. But we were doing a lot of rural village work, going from village to village where the gospel had not been named, uh, and uh, and it was it was really incredible work. We we worked there for a couple of years and had just a passion to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. Uh, And uh, here uh, in St. Louis, we were planting out of our church, we were a suburban church, suburban St. Louis, uh, and we were planting in the city of St. Louis. And so we were seeing a shift from suburbs to city here in our context. And we thought, man, how cool would it be for our people to mirror that work in India? And so we took a vision trip to Mumbai uh, around 2015. Just to see the city, see what god uh is is doing there, uh, and we were blown away uh, blown away by the numbers involved um, you know mumbai's uh twenty five or so million people uh half of the city uh actually lives in slums. Uh, And so the need is just absolutely incredible. You see this amazing juxtaposition between extreme wealth, extreme poverty, uh, extreme lostness um, in in a city like Mumbai. Um, But here's what's fascinating, Jeff, is uh, the thing that drew my heart most to to, uh, this global city in India was I've already mentioned that India is the highest concentration of unreached people groups in the world. It's pretty shocking uh, when you look at a map. They estimate that around 90% of those unreached people groups throughout India have a representation uh, have, have a representative population in these global cities like Mumbai because of mm. uh, just the nature of work in India. So you have a ton of migrant workers. They'll come into a city like Mumbai from these these you know small, rural, unknown places throughout India, and they'll work there for nine months out of the year and then go home to their villages for three months out of the year. And so what we saw there was an incredible opportunity to reach the unreached in India through yeah. church planting in in a global city like Mumbai. And really, when you think about how many Indians exist throughout the world, uh, you know, we refer uh, sort of in our circles about the Indian diaspora. You've got Indians that are spread throughout the world and can go to all kinds of different places. Some places that Americans can't, can't get into. You, you think about the potential that India has to be this incredible sending nation to see, uh, just the gospel flow through Indians to the very ends of the earth. Just one quick story. So this first, yeah, yeah this yeah. first trip to Mumbai that we, we took, we were talking with uh, a young man from, from the, uh, the technical, uh, college Institute in Mumbai, very well-respected Institute. And this guy was graduating and, uh, we, we were sharing the gospel with him and having a conversation and it, it just stood out to us because he was moving after his graduation, taking a job with a company in North Korea. And and our mission team, we we were just talking after the fact about what an opportunity we have to see the gospel move into some of these hard to reach spaces throughout, throughout India, but throughout the entire world as we see the gospel pressed into that context. And we're just blown away by opportunities like that. And so what we realized very quickly is that, um, is that some of the strategies that we had used uh, in in seeing the gospel being proclaimed in some of the villages and rural spaces in India weren't necessarily great strategies in these global cities. That the way forward, and we're passionate about, we believe God's design for multiplication is church planting. Uh, that's yeah. something we're passionate about within our network, uh, something I'm personally passionate about. And so that was the vision for Mumbai. How do we begin to see an engine created where we can see healthy churches planting other churches throughout the city and throughout India and then throughout the world? And so, um, man, just really, really uh, uh, passionate Passionate about that, and then believing that if we're going to be about that work, we need to have our hands in that work. And so, we actually uh, uh, partnered with a new church plant in Mumbai there. Uh, again, this is around about 2015. Uh, okay. And so, I began. Uh, Going back and forth. Our church here in St. Louis was to a place uh, where I could travel pretty freely and have the space to do that. So three, four times a year, I was back and forth to Mumbai uh, doing training, working with our elders there, uh, creating relationships and and doing some of this work. Uh, And it became clear uh, over a, a, a two, three year period that there was really a greater presence that was necessary there on the ground. And so my wife and I simply began praying that God would raise someone up to be there in Mumbai to work directly with these church planters to begin to create this this engine or this, this pipeline. For church planting and then uh, you know we prayed for that and then god does what god does when you pray for stuff yeah. like that he's like yeah the reason you're praying for that is because i put that on your heart <laughs> so so that's the point at which uh, you know our small family moved to uh about a thousand square foot flat in the heart of mumbai uh and uh lived for a year and a half and worked directly there with church planters and developed a church planter cohort and and uh and all that so that's a little bit about the story of how we got involved but the needs That exists in Mumbai. The opportunity you want to talk about the harvest being plentiful, right, and ready and ripe, but the labors being few. That's India to a T, and so that's part of what drives our passion for for that context.
0: Yeah, man, it's so Mm -hmm. so great to hear the story of how God brought you and your family uh, to have a heart for India, and then brought you to Mm -hmm. India, and then you know maybe you could help me and, and listeners with this. That you know I think you hear throughout church history, or you've heard other preachers say it before how the gospel initially was brought to mm. India. Um, was it Thomas, the, uh, the apostle, the disciple Thomas, do you know, is that just folklore or like did like, I remember when my second child mm. was born and we're in the hospital and it was an Indian uh, doctor and we're talking to her notice she had a cross on her mm. neck. And I said, Oh yeah, you're wearing a cross. I said, I said, I'm a Christian. Are, are you a Christian? She said, yes. And then she went on to tell a story about how like her family believes like they could trace a conversion all the way back yeah. to Thomas sharing the gospel with their family. So is that like a common thing or what? Yeah, what do you it, think, yeah it
1: actually is. So, um, you know, Thomas uh, going to southern India. So when, when, when you look at India and it, fascinating uh, to follow what's what's happening in the current political climate of India. So, you know, you take an organization like Open Doors um, that that ranks the top 50 uh, countries with the most persecution. Um, and so India in the last six to eight years since I've been going there has been climbing that list. And I think currently ranks number 10 um, in most persecuted context around the world. It's a roundabout mm. there. And it's because of, um, you know, Hindu nationalism. You get uh, Prime Minister Modi, who's currently in power, uh, who is a Hindu nationalist and wants to make. He's actually said in an interview, a public interview, that he wants India to be an all-Hindu nation and for everything else to be pressed out. And so uh, wow. so there's extreme persecution there, and there's a lot of Hindu nationalism. But then at the same time, you have in Parts of the country, uh, specifically in the state of Kerala, for example, you have this deep-seated uh, historical cultural Christianity that you're referring to. Uh, that you're referring to, and it's fascinating because in those spaces where Christianity is more historical, um, you, you actually see some of the same elements at play that we have with cultural Christianity in a context like ours. So you see people sort of going through the motions and in sort of a lukewarm stance and a little bit fence sitting, uh, proclaiming Jesus with lip and not with life. You know, this is what my family has always done, you know, type of thing, which, you know, maybe drives some of that story you shared. And (laughs) it's really a bizarre context. But, yeah, you do have pockets of that in India for sure that can be traced back to someone like Thomas. Yeah. So it's fascinating.
0: Yeah, man, I love that. (laughs) such a rich history. uh, So much. Uh, happening there in India in the landscape with, with the gospel and church planting, And, and as we know, there is so much happening in the news right now mm. with India as well, making headlines just because of the tragic impact of COVID-19 there yeah. in the country. And so can you, can you give us an update on the X29 planters there, mm. um, and the communities
1: they're serving as well? Yeah. Um, you you're right tragic is is the right word i i wake up every day to uh, because of the time difference to about 15 or 20 messages from uh, from our planters there wow. and from pastors that i know just begging for prayer Uh, They're they're not asking. I mean, there's really, it's difficult to get them resources right now. They're just asking for us to pray. And um, so the numbers we see are just shocking. There's um, somewhere around a half a million new cases a day, uh, 4,000 deaths a day. Um, and, And here's what's interesting, Jeff, is those are the reported figures, the official figures that are coming from the government. The numbers are much higher than that, I'm sure. And so... You know, hospitals are uh, don't have enough beds. There's not enough ven- ventilators. There's not enough ICU beds. Uh, the big thing right now is a shortage of oxygen, which is ironic because India is, I think, the largest or one of the largest producers of oxygen uh, of uh, oxygen containers mm-hmm. in the world, and yet um, I think at last time I checked, there was. Uh, enough oxygen for one in about 50 patients that needed it. Wow. Um, Yeah. And I, I I mean, I had COVID last fall in early November and was in the hospital for four days. It was pretty severe and uh, I was on oxygen and it was a lifesaver. I mean, so you have people who are sitting outside of hospitals uh, in lines, blocks down the street who are suffocating. Uh, And so it's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty shocking to see the pictures, the images. It's a little bit, it feels a little bit apocalyptic. Uh, and pastors, our planters and pastors there are just tired. Uh, they're weary. Uh, they need to be prayed for. Um, many of them are dealing with, with uh, sickness and death, certainly in their church bodies, but uh, even in their own families. And uh, it's just been really, really um, devastating for them. And so... Yeah, I think that uh, here's another aspect that's interesting is that many of our pastors are bivocational. So they have, yeah. um, you know, they work outside, they have income from outside of the church. And obviously uh, this has impacted, uh, you know, their ability to earn uh, uh, income and sustain themselves. And so it's it's pretty difficult all around. Yeah. Man,
0: um, I just I can't imagine uh, the, the impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and just dealing with all this tragedy there and such a large scale. And so I just want to remind our, our listeners to, to pray for these X 29 brothers and sisters and their churches, as you think yeah. about it. And maybe even at the end of this episode, if you're driving or you're working out, um, or even now, just if you feel led by the spirit, just to push pause and to pray for them
1: and, and, uh, seek the Lord's help. Um, yeah. Seek, one seek quick note on that, Jeff, um, uh, we just put out a, uh, a blog, I believe, yes. on the Acts 29 website on some different ways that you can be praying. Uh, and so if you if the listeners want to go on and, and check that out afterwards, it's a great thing, especially when we think about how to partner with churches like this and how to develop a heart for the nations in our churches. Wonderful thing to lead our churches through and how to how to be praying for our brothers and sisters there.
0: Jeff, you've led the U.S. churches, you've pastored and partnering with churches in India. And so I wonder if it'd be helpful, like what advice do you have for pastors on how to establish these global partnerships and how to really maintain them for the long haul as well?
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, Well, first, pray. I mean... You know, I think we often think of prayer uh, wrongly as a last resort. We need to, that's our first resort. So, you know, this conversation in my mind is not a conversation of if we should be partnered, uh, but where. And so I think a great place to start is just by asking God what his... Uh, what, you know, what he desires for our churches, uh, where we can be partnered. Um, There's obviously a a ton of need all around the world. And so just asking for God's wisdom is that is, you know, and that is really important. But, you know, the other thing I would say is just start somewhere. Um, I, I, you know, it's hard to steer a parked car. (laughs) So, you know, just (laughs) getting that thing moving and then allowing God uh, to direct you. That was our story. So again, we're, we we planted this church in 2007 and in the very embryonic stages, um, we d- developed a relationship. I think we were three months old, maybe 20, 25 people in a church and we developed a relationship in nicaragua with a with an orphanage and a group of pastors and just started somewhere that was sort of low-hanging fruit as far as our ability to get there and and think through logistics and we saw god grow that and do incredible things over a over a, a nearly a decade period and you know we gradually developed work in uh, haiti post-earthquake haiti and 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 working with pastors there and developing relationships and then from there India came about where we're like, man, we want an ends of the earth, unreached people group type of expression yeah about uh about uh how we think about global mission and so but it all started with this little relationship in in Nicaragua and so we started somewhere and yeah. then we grew it from there and what we saw was we, we saw families move to Nicaragua and be full-time missionaries there we uh w- one of our key families at this church actually runs helps run the orphanage there now we saw someone uh, move to Haiti as a full-time missionary i moved my own family to india uh, yeah. you know, as, as missionaries there. And so it all starts somewhere. And so I would say just, uh, you know, the ability to just kind of start that conversation on a, even on a small scale. And then <clears throat> Jeff, the other thing I would say is that relationship is the key. When we think about partnership, it's easy to go to resources and think about yeah, yeah. supporting and sending. And there's a need for that, especially right now in a context like India, but you I think that resources always flow from relationship. And so we have uh, such an ability to be able to connect right now, relationally with places around the world, just, Technologically, um, we live in a fascinating time. The ability yes. you and I are doing it right now, but I yeah, crazy. Zo- zoom daily with our with our contacts in India. And what a gift it is to be able to build and strengthen those relationships. Again, part of what I do is to connect churches uh, from our part of the world with churches in India, and and it's a joy to do that. And uh, with, without naming the churches or anything like that, I mean, we we have a new. Um, relationship Relationship that exists between a church here in the United States, an Acts 29 church plant and a brand new uh, Acts 29 church plant in India. And it's been amazing yeah. to see their ability to communicate and be creative in that communication. They've had joint prayer nights with their churches wow. on Zoom. Um, it, so there's all kinds of idea. opportunity. Like for us, um, the church in St. Louis that I pastored that i planted back in 2007 i mentioned the partnership with this church plant in mumbai Uh, we actually operated uh, sort of as a family of churches, our elders would meet with their el- elders regularly. We would actually uh, uh, have a preaching. We we actually had a preaching collective together where we were preaching through the same texts. We were able to learn from one another. And mm. so there's just so much opportunity for, for partnership in those ways that didn't exist before. And the other thing I would say uh, is just tell stories. Yeah, tell stories of how God is... Working, we we have the ability as pastors to engage our people in a bunch of different ways, and just see storytelling be pervasive. and And what that does is it really catalyzes, a, a, you know, a vision for what God's doing in people's hearts. So, yeah, th- those are some ways that you could begin Man. to think through
0: it. Some great ideas. I especially love the the uh, linked up Zoom prayer meetings. Like that's just a great idea, a way to foster these relationships. Yeah. So x nine pastors steal that and and use that take that in your churches mm-hmm. and build these partnerships. well, well, Jeff, just before the world went on into lockdown because of the coronavirus x nine hosted the India National Summit in Mumbai. Yeah. So tell us about that event and really what other plans you see on the horizon for for India and the of church planning there.
1: Yeah, so um, the India summit was in late February 2020. We, you're right; we were flying back into the states after some meetings, uh, as all of uh, this was exploding with COVID. But it was a fantastic event. Uh, really, we designed that just to be uh, to create momentum in church planting uh, throughout India to start the conversation for a lot of these a lot of these guys. Uh, and so we had, I think, around a hundred pastors and church planters from all over wow. India. India 10 of the states <clears throat> were represented there uh, all the global cities and it was just fantastic and uh, I, I believe that we served the the brothers well there through the event we, we brought over Ajay Thomas uh, yeah. who was one of our uh, plenary speakers at the uh, Global Gathering a couple That's of right. years ago and did a fantastic yeah, job. Yeah, and he was just faithful brother, uh, had some other uh, uh, Indian guys platformed there uh, as a part of the summit, and it was great for them, great for us, because it postured us to move forward on several initiatives uh, to get guys really further training and further equipping to move them ultimately to assessment and then conversations about membership in Acts 29 uh but then you know as you said covid happened and so a lot of uh, a lot of our efforts have been moved uh digital and online as we're really just in 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 the mode of trying to care well for our guys we have uh several candidates right now we have several member churches there but several candidates who are still working uh, their way through some of the conditions uh, uh after their assessment but we have um somewhere around 12 to 15 guys who are actually in the assessment process right now which is fantastic considering everything that's happened uh, with this pandemic. And so uh, one of the things that I'm most excited about um, it's it's hard to talk about what our plans are right now because everything's sort of in a holding pattern. <laughs> yeah. But one of the things that I'm most excited about, um, and, and I think one of the biggest needs in India is uh, w- w- our desire is to start a uh, churches in hard places apprenticeship program, like we see in other places throughout the world. We're, we're going to start that in India. Uh, the plan was actually to launch that back in uh, November last fall, uh, and so we're currently adjusting and working on a timeline, but. Just such a need, whether you're talking about a rural context uh, uh, or whether you're talking about a slum context in a global city, um, we see guys who are under resourced, under just without opportunity for tr- good training and good coaching. And the churches in hard places does a fantastic job in these yeah. apprenticeships in seeing guys trained and developed and equipped, but also in creating relationships uh, so that in a cohort environment, guys can learn together and be moved towards, you know, just really sharpening and training guys in the core competencies that we look for in church planters. And so uh, excited about that opportunity on the horizon. Yeah. Well guys, stay tuned for for what's gonna be rolling out there in Church in Hard
0: Places and with India and all these other efforts of seeing healthy multiplying churches there planted in India and in ways that you can support mm. and and get involved. And so if you would like to get involved and maybe, you know, after COVID and things uh, you know, lighten up and you would like to take a vision trip or, or something like that, you can reach out to Jeff and, or you can reach out to me, Jeff, and we can get you set up mm. with uh, the right ways to get you involved with the church planting there in India. All right, Jeff, final, final three questions. What we always ask every, every guest on the x podcast, <laughs> a, a great book you've read recently.
1: Good question. Um, man, I'm reading several that are fantastic. So I'm, can, can I do like a toss up Okay. Sure, go for it. Um, I am rereading right now, um, uh, the book by Leonard Ravenhill, Re- Why Revival Tarries. Uh, if mm. you haven't read that, I would highly recommend it. It's fantastic, per- particularly for those of us who preach uh, a lot, and just the importance of prayer and preaching and, and God's work and that just blowing up my heart as I'm rereading through that. Uh, and then, uh, Man, gentle and lowly by Dane Ortland yeah. is fantastic. Just staring into the beauty <laughs> of the character and nature of Jesus has has just been phenomenal for me. And so uh, we're we're actually I'm I'm finishing that up right now. We're going to we're going to lead our church through that. It's just so good. Yeah. yeah.
0: So good. One of the best books of our generation for yep. sure. Okay, what's your go-to order in a coffee oh, shop? Oh goodness. And does it vary
1: from US to it indeed. does not. I'm a traditionalist, uh, black coffee and, and a lot yeah. of it with nine kids. Um, so <laughs>
0: you ever add a shot of espresso
1: in there? Man, R2, I should, or... I'm really going to pray about that, yeah. Jeff. That's uh, that okay. could be wisdom right there.
0: There we go. There we go. <laughs> All right. L- l- last one, uh, favorite
1: verse and why? Oh yeah. Whew. You want to talk about having to narrow it down. Okay. For, for me, honestly, um, I have got to go with Habakkuk 2:14. Um, It's just a reminder for my heart uh, continually of what God's actually doing, which is filling the earth with a knowledge of his glory. So that text says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And I I just, there's so many other verses that I love. You know, we go Matthew 28. I'm a, I'm an ends of the earth kind of guy. So Revelation 7, 9 through 10, this picture of, of what God's doing to reach every ethne, every people. Um, but all of it is really just pointing to Habakkuk two fourteen. like one day, a knowledge of God's glory will, will have saturated everything. And I just, man, that just, that just drives me. Yes. And I hope that, I
0: hope that drives every X 29 church and X 29 pastor and planter and leader. <laughs> and, and whether you're in a small group or you serve in hospitality or you're on a, a missions, uh, coordination team mm. that those, ver- those texts would really drive what we yeah. do to see disciples made to the ends of the earth. That's great. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the x podcast and talking to us today about your story and, and God's work there in India. Yeah, it really has been a privilege. Thanks for having me. And listeners, thank you for checking out this episode of the x 29 podcast. We invite you just to leave a little review there in your podcast app. You can just navigate around there and just click on those stars. And and really, we would love for you to share this episode in your social media feeds, uh, not for the glory of x 29 or anything like that, but just really to praise our triune God for the work that he's doing all around the world. And so listeners, remember, let's keep planting churches to the ends of the earth.